Well, we're getting started at about 1.10. I'm used to when the clock is about on the 12, 12 being done. So does that mean we've got about 15 minutes? No. Um, actually, I flipped the messages this morning because I knew the message from First Kings, which I was originally planning for the, this afternoon, would be longer and hard to finish in a shorter time, which I know we had tried to do for this afternoon. So I'm going to have you turn with me to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. And we're going to talk about God's faithfulness in salvation. This is a wonderful time of year, isn't it? Uh, I've known people that have lost family members that Christmas were, was hard for them. But most people, most of us enjoy this time of year. It's a time to be with family, to have time off work, hopefully get some rest. Um, I, I have a privilege of having a job where I get the week off between Christmas and New Year's, so it's a lot of extra time. The kids have off school. Joanne's a teacher. She's off work. It's a wonderful time to celebrate. I love, um, I don't normally like to shop. But I do like to get out and do some Christmas shopping. It's just a fun time of year. A lot of reasons. And the gifts and the shopping and, and, the, and the music and uh, the decorations, the lights, the tree, all those things aren't really what it's all about. It's really about our Savior and how God gave us an incredible gift through his Son. And this uh, being the beginning of that uh, his earthly life where he would uh, come to earth, be, become man so that he could suffer and die and then raise again and all of this to provide salvation for us to God and we need to thank him and praise him for that. So we're going to read verses 18 to 25 and then we're going to pray and we're going to talk about this passage for a little bit. It says in verse 18, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. This is a very familiar passage to this crowd. Uh, we love what we read here. We celebrate what we've read here. It's an important part of our lives and and yet father i pray that you would use it to be an encouragement to us i pray that you would help us to 
uh, be reminded again of your goodness, your faithfulness in providing salvation, and you doing what you said you would do, which is always true and so different than us most of the time. Father, thank you for your faithfulness. Help us to be more faithful like you, but help us to be encouraged from what we read here about your faithfulness and your love for your people. In Jesus' name, we pray. So, as we look at the book of Matthew, the book of Matthew starts off with the genealogy. It sounds in many ways like what you read in First Chronicles, right? Nine chapters of uh, fathers having children and so on. We uh, very similar uh, feel with Matthew. And the first uh, 16, 17 verses about genealogies, talking about uh, who was the father and so-and-so. And, and then we come down to verse 18, which is a significant shift in that focus um, because it's going to talk specifically about the birth of Christ, which is the point to which it's leading, um, and talk about how that birth, that uh, uh Entrance into the human race was different than all of these other examples that came before it. And so we see this unique shift here in verses 18 to 25 to focus in on the birth of Christ. Now, if you think about Matthew versus Luke, what's the difference? Well, the focus of Luke is actually upon Mary and her experience and the things that she goes through. Um, and in this case, in Matthew, we have the experience, the focus on Joseph. So, and we have a smaller section here, 18 to 25, with a focus on Joseph. We've seen in verses 1 through 16, especially, how uh, we're, we're told that Joseph, our, our focus here in this passage, um, as, the, as the human uh, father or the human uh, man who marries uh, Mary, who is the the the, mo- the mother who uh, uh, gives birth to Christ, um, is a descendant of David. He's a descendant of Abraham, and we see that in the beginning of this chapter. And then the focus then is upon how uh, this birth uh, comes about and the things that go on leading up to it. But I want you to see first of all. The faithfulness of God in providing salvation even in the lineage of Christ leading up to Joseph. So if you were just to focus in on a few different examples, um, think about Abraham and Sarah with me. Do you remember Abraham and Sarah and how in the Old Testament what we have with Abraham and, and Sarah is they aren't able to have their own children and yet God promises that through Abraham all nations of the earth are going to be blessed. His, He's going to have uh, more descendants than the stars in the sky. And yet we uh, read in uh, Genesis on how right when God says a year from now, you're going to have a son through Sarah, which the revelation hadn't been that specific to him up until that point. God gave progressive revelation there. He didn't know. Um, didn't fully understand or didn't trust uh, until he got specific revelation there that it was going to be through Sarah that he was going to have a child. And then right after that, what do they do? They go and leave Canaan again because there's a famine and he lies about him being his sister or failing to acknowledge that it was his wife. And so Abimelech, you remember, takes Sarah 
And yet the Lord plagues his house. And, and through that whole event, we see how uh, Abimelech does not even touch her. And he even uses that in his uh, comments to God, saying, I didn't even touch her. And God makes the point that God didn't allow him to touch her. Why? Because... He was part of the lineage of Christ, and God was preserving what he was going to do in Christ at that very crucial moment in the life of Abraham and Sarah. So we see God's faithfulness in preserving the lineage uh, there. We also see very interesting how God uses certain women, women who were outside of Israel, women who were Gentiles. Look at Tamar. Uh, verse uh, 3, we see Tamar is the... Uh, uh, wife uh, there uh, of Judah, by, by which Judah has uh, children that are in the line of Christ. Uh, we also see Rahab in there in verse 5, and Ruth the Moabitess. Uh, so we see how God has uh, used women uh, uniquely, even outside of Israel, in the line of Christ. And we even have David and Bathsheba there having Solomon. And how God has faithfully worked through the lineage of David uh, to eventually bring the Messiah. But then in verse 18, we see that God provides the Savior through the virgin conception. Again, looking at verse 18, it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. Now, in contrast to the example we see in Luke, Matthew is very short with the details here. He doesn't explain the nature of the, uh, the virgin conception. Um, he just says that it is, and he says it is by the means of the Holy Spirit. And the situation here was Mary and Joseph are betrothed. Now, uh, I, I read this helpful little summary I thought was uh, good to have as an understanding of background um, for what betrothal meant, maybe a little bit more serious than our engagement is these days. So I'll just read to you what um, I found about this Hebrew marriage custom. Basically, marriages were arranged by individual parents and contracts were negotiated. And then after this, um, the individuals were considered married and were even called husband and wife, yet they did not begin to live with each other. Instead, the woman continued to live with her parents and the man with his for one year. Uh, the waiting period was to demonstrate the faithfulness of the pledge of purity given concerning the bride. If she was found to be with child during this period, she was obviously not pure and had been involved in an inappropriate relationship. Therefore, the marriage could be annulled. That's the context in which we enter into this story in verse 18. We're, we're told how Joseph and Mary were uh, betrothed. They were a typical Jewish couple engaged to be married and had a strong commitment to be married, and they individually were pure. They were pure in their um, faithfulness, and yet, in spite of this, uh, Mary is found with a child, which it, it's hard for us to understand. We know the story. It's familiar to us, but imagine the shock and the difficulty that Joseph would be dealing with. This is a serious problem. And if you read Deuteronomy 22, where it talks about what happens if this is the case, the woman could be stoned for this offense. This is a serious thing. So we have 
though we know the rest of the story, and we're told here clearly, that this was not a result of any impurity in Mary, um, but it was the work of God, as the work of the Holy Spirit, and it was God providing the Savior through the Virgin Mary. So, you might also ask, uh, just as a little side, side, side note, why was a virgin conception necessary? And without getting too theologically deep, I would just remind you of a couple things. Number one, God was entering the human race, so he came through conception. But in the normal creation of a human being, there's a father and a mother, and it results in the creation of a new person. But in this case, we have a pre-existing person who's the son of God, already existent, and so only needed uh, to become part of the human race, take on human nature, not create a new person, which is a normal part of the procreation process. So he was a pre-existing person and is a fulfillment of prophecy, which is a huge emphasis in Matthew. Matthew emphasizes how these things happen to fulfill what God had said would. God was faithful in providing the Messiah to be the Savior of the world as he said he would do. So let's notice also, secondly, and see how uh, Joseph is persuaded to take Mary in verses 19 to 20. Joseph basically was deciding to break up. He's basically making the choice to break up. Verse 19, it says, Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in dreams, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. So Joseph is wrestling with this, as would be natural. It, this would have been a huge offense. And Joseph is a righteous man. The, the point being, he's been a careful observer of the law. He, he has been pure. He has not done anything inappropriate. And he wanted, understandably, a righteous wife also. But yet, he's compassionate. He doesn't want to disgrace her, humiliate her. He's thinking about putting her away privately because, as I mentioned, Deuteronomy 22 tells us that a woman in this condition could be stoned for her actions. So he doesn't want that to happen to her. He loves her. He cares about her. And even though he thinks she's been unfaithful, which she hasn't, but he doesn't understand, he's planning to secretly put her away because he's assumed that she's done wrong and uh, that he would move on. Get a, get a different wife. But again, notice the faithfulness of God in intervening here to make his plans come to pass. Again, as we've said about prophecy and other messages, it is not God looking into a crystal ball, seeing what's going to happen later, right? That's not what prophecy is. It is God telling us what he is going to do. That's what prophecy is, and that's what we have here. God is told what he is going to make happen and we see that with the angel intervene, uh, intervening so we see in 20 the angel appears to joseph in a dream and says do not be afraid to take mary as your wife for the child who has been conceived in her is of the holy spirit again not a lot of explanation but a simple statement and joseph is going to trust the revelation that he has given here 
and respond in obedience. So we see God's faithfulness to intervene, explaining the nature of uh, this special uh, conception that has taken place. And uh, let's look at verse 21 where we get some more explanation, uh, beautiful explanation about what this special child is going to do, who this special child is. It says in verse 21, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. So he explained, the angel explains here that Mary has, uh, a, is conceived by the Holy Spirit, a son, and he's going to call his name Jesus. I'm confident you heard this explanation, but just a reminder, Jesus here is actually the Old Testament, same name as Joshua, which means the Lord saves. So it is uh, in his name to mean Savior, the one who saves, the Lord saves, all right? And it says what he is going to do. What is he going to do? He is going to save his people from their sins. Uh, it wasn't long ago I was having a conversation with somebody about the nature of salvation. What does it mean to be saved? What are we saved from? Here's the answer. We are saved from our sins. Sin is what we're being rescued from in salvation. In the past, uh, we're, our past sins were forgiven of or were justified from our uh, previous sins. In the present, we are rescued from the power of sin in our daily life. That's sanctification. And in the future, we're going to be saved from sin, entirely removed from the presence of sin, ultimately in glorification. So the work of God in salvation is not just getting us out of the punishment of hell. It is actually rescuing us from sin. The guilt of it in our past, the present, being bogged down and, and, and ruined by it. We're being rescued from that through sanctification and ultimately we're going to be entirely saved and rescued from it entirely, even from its presence, to enjoy fellowship and eternity with God. That is what Jesus Christ does and is doing. And uh, Joseph here is told that's what he's coming to do. So we see thirdly. Thirdly, and our last point here as we look at this passage this afternoon is the purposes of God are fulfilled according to prophecy. Look at verses 22 to 25. Uh, verse 22, starting with 22, it says, Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son and she called his name Jesus. So the reason for these events is explained in verse 22. All of this took place. That is the miraculous conception here. And the naming of the child, the reason he was called Jesus and ultimately the virgin birth took place to fulfill what God had said in Isaiah 7.14. And he quotes Isaiah 7.14, verse 23, saying, The virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, it's made clear to us, without getting too explicit here, 
that she was a virgin uh, in conception and birth. So we tend to speak of it as the birth, but it, it started with uh, conception, and actually both of those are true. We're told uh, earlier on, I, I skipped over it, but uh, basically earlier on it was before they had come together. So before they had a physical relationship, they, uh, she was found with child. Um, it was a virgin conception, and it also tells us that he took her as his wife, and then they didn't have those relationships until after the birth of Jesus Christ. So both are true, and then his name here is called Emmanuel. That is a translation of a Hebrew word here, which literally means God with us. And that is an important concept to understand Theologically, because what we understand about Jesus Christ is he is the God-man. That is, he is the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, who took upon himself human nature, and he was and is simultaneously both God, he is divine, he didn't give that up, and man, he is human. Even though he's God, he is also fully human. He is the God-man. He is God with us. And the idea with us there in their day, he is literally in their midst. He was walking in their midst, lived among them, taught and preached, did miracles. And many saw that, though many did not understand. Uh, but we have here God's purposes in prophecy being fulfilled and his fulfilling of the things that he's promised coming to pass and him fulfilling uh, his word. So we see at the end, verses 24 and 25, Joseph awakes from his sleep and did as the angel commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but he kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son and called his name Jesus. So he obeyed the message that he had received and ultimately we see here God's faithfulness and bringing to pass what he said he would do. We should think through as we look over the whole of scriptures and understanding that salvation was God's plan from the beginning. Do you remember when Peter confronts uh, the Pharisees or, or some of those leaders in, in Israel who were resisting them? He talks about how God had determined according to his for ordained counsel to send his son and have Jesus Christ crucified. That was God's plan from the beginning. And we see here in Matthew a, a huge point that Matthew is making is that God is fulfilling what he said he would do. This has been prophesied and God's doing it. So I know we hear a lot of messages about Christmas, and I definitely do not want to make up something you've never heard before, because then it wouldn't be true, right? So, but it's my hope that all of us in seeing this are reminded of God's faithfulness in salvation. God is faithful to provide salvation. He worked in these circumstances to ensure the outcome that he had said would happen. And we should also remember that God is not only 
faithfully provided salvation, but he's actively working on our salvation that is changing us on a daily basis if we know Christ. And he is going to ultimately finish the work that he started. So this Christmas is a great time to remember God's faithfulness in providing salvation and us looking forward to the fulfillment of him finishing the work that he started. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the reminder at this time of year about your great gift, giving your son. Help us, Father, to actively remember that you are faithful, that you are good, that you're actively working to deliver us from sin. Uh, you both, you, you forgive our sins we've committed in the past. You uh, work with us on a daily basis to change us, to deliver us from the power of sin. And Father, we look forward to the day when there is no sin anymore. And that uh, is something we are eager to see. Father, help us to continue to set our eyes upon that. Looking forward to your full and uh, final fulfillment of salvation. In the meantime, help us to rejoice in how you've already been faithful to us. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.